Ciao, amici. Welcome to Cinema Italiano, the podcast dedicated to the Italian experience as told by film. Today, we'll be talking about Enrico Casarosa's 2021 film, Luca. This Disney Pixar movie might sound like a funny choice for this podcast, but director Enrico Casarosa is Italian, born in Genova, and he grew up there before coming to the U.S. as a young adult. It may be an American production by an American studio, but this film is set in Italy and is certainly told from an Italian point of view. I know it's been a while since our last episode, and a lot has happened news-wise since then. First, the David Di Donatello Awards occurred earlier this year. The big winner was Giorgio Diritti's Volevo Nascondermi, or Hidden Away, which won Best Film, Best Director, Best Actor, and more. We reviewed this one in the Cinema Italian Style 2020 episode uh, back from December. This wasn't one of my favorites from last year, but from a craftsman's, but from a, but from a craftsmanship perspective, I can appreciate this movie even if I didn't exactly love it. There's also a few new releases now available as well as coming soon to the United States. Favolace or Bad Tales by Damiano and Fabio Di Nocenzo is now available for rental on digital. I haven't seen it for purchase yet. Um, I keep refreshing because I'm excited to see it, um, but it is available for rental. Also now streaming um, on Amazon Prime Video, included with Prime subscription, is Matteo Garrone's Pinocchio starring Roberto Benigni. This is actually a 2019 film, but it just came out to the US around last holiday season in 2020. I'm guessing its release got delayed due to COVID-19, so it just took a while to come to the U.S., but it's really good. I would definitely recommend checking it out. And then coming soon to the Criterion Collection is The Damned by Lucchino Visconti. The description reads that the heightened performances and Visconti's luridly expressionistic use of technicolor conjure a garish world of decaying opulence in which one family's downfall comes to stand for the moral rot of a nation. I haven't seen this movie yet, but just from that description, you know it's going to be something. I'm excited to check this one out in a few weeks. And then for some kind film festival news, Nani Moretti's newest film, Tre Piani, or Three Floors, premiered at Cannes a couple weeks ago. It didn't win any major prizes, but it reportedly had an 11-minute standing ovation, which by Cannes standards is pretty long. One Italian film that did win awards is Jonas Carpignano's Acchiara, which won the European Film Award at the director's Fortnite section. Between all these, there's a lot of new movies available now and coming soon to look forward to. Luca is available to watch for free with a Disney Plus subscription. As some backstory for this movie, it was originally meant to come out theatrically in November 2020, but due to the COVID-19 pandemic, it got delayed and eventually received a streaming-only release and a limited theatrical release only one week at Disney's El Capitan Theater in Hollywood. Which is a shame because the movie is really terrific. I've seen it five times since it was released on Disney Plus just over a month ago. It's the story of Luca Paguro, a somewhat timid sea monster boy who's grown bored with his agrarian lifestyle of taking fish out to graze seaweed. One day, he stumbles upon some human objects, and he's introduced to Alberto Scorfano, a sea monster like him, but slightly older and a little more confident. Alberto shows Luca that, 
When sea monsters come above the water surface, they transform into humans. The two become best friends, collecting human objects and building DIY Vespas on Isola del Mare, the island where Alberto lives. Luca's parents find out and threaten to send him away to the bottom of the ocean to live with Luca's uncle Ugo. Alberto tells Luca that his parents will never find him if they sneak away to the nearby human town, Porto Rosso, so off the two go to start a new life together. Within the mythology of the movie, they just have to be careful not to get wet, or else they'll become sea monsters again. As the new people in town, they quickly meet Ercole Visconti, the town bully, as well as Giulia Marcovaldo, a girl about their age, who stands up to Ercole on their behalf. She invites them to join her team for the Porto Rosso Cup, which she describes as a typical Italian triathlon, consisting of swimming, biking, and pasta eating. Luca and Alberto plan to use the prize money from the race to purchase a Vespa and carry out their fantasy of exploring the world together. As the trio begin to train and the race draws nearer, Luca becomes more fascinated by the human world and the possibilities of learning and going to school like Giulia does. Alberto grows jealous of Luca growing closer to Giulia and reveals to her that he's a sea monster, expecting Luca to do the same. Luca does not, however, and Alberto is forced to retreat back to the island, betrayed. Later that night, Giulia realizes Luca too is a sea monster, and as much as it pains her, she tells him he can't stay in Porto Rosso either. Luca goes back to the island and tries to apologize to Alberto, who is hurt and almost heartbroken. To win his friend back, Luca declares that he'll go win the Porto Rosso Cup so they can buy their Vespa. The next day, Giulia, Luca, and the town bully Ercole are neck and neck in the race, and in the final event, biking, Luca even takes the lead. At the top of Mount Porto Rosso, though, it starts to rain, and Luca's skin transforms from human flesh to sea monster scales. He sees a blue umbrella trudging its way up the hill, and it's Alberto who's come to help keep him dry, safe, and without revealing his true identity. Ercole sees Alberto, charges toward him, knocking him down with his bike and sending the umbrella flying and Alberto transforms into a sea monster again. Ercole throws a net to trap him, and Luca races ahead, transforms into a sea monster in front of everyone, grabs Alberto by the hand, and races down the mountain with him. As the finish line draws nearer, Ercole threatens the two with a harpoon, and Julia again saves the pair by zooming ahead and knocking Ercole over, but she herself falls down. Luca and Ercole get back to the starting place, but jump off the bike to fetch Julia. They are declared the winners, as technically they did cross the finish line first, and with the support of Massimo, Giulia's father, they are accepted by the townspeople. At the end of the season, they're at the train station dropping off Giulia on her way to school in Genova. After this bittersweet farewell, Alberto admits to Luca that he's sold their Vespa, and they'll use the money to send Luca to school along with her. Alberto will stay behind and help Massimo. Luca hesitates and asks Alberto, how am I going to know you're okay? Alberto replies, You got me off the island, Luca. I'm okay. The two have an emotional farewell, and Alberto runs alongside the train as it departs and it starts to rain. Luca leans out the train, looking back at Alberto until he's out of view, then to the side at the Isola del Mare off in the distance, where their relationship first began, and then up ahead. He's transformed into his true, unashamed sea monster self, facing the future and whatever awaits him. From the earliest promotional images released for this film, Luca has been compared to Call Me By Your Name. 
At first, perhaps jokingly, seeing two boys, one slightly older and one slightly younger, in a summer, in Italy, in an idyllic setting. But the subject matter of the film, very much one about identity, coming out, and acceptance, proved those initial similarities were all too correct. A recurring device throughout the film is of fantasies and imagination, more on that later. In one of the first fantasies, Luca, as a sea monster swimming up to the surface, sees a sailboat and what certainly looks like a male figure standing on it. Later, when Luca and Alberto meet and their relationship begins, their physical contact starts with a handshake, then putting their arms around each other's shoulders, holding onto each other while riding a Vespa, and later, even holding each other's hands as they swim from the Isola del Mare to Porto Rosso, culminating in a final emotional farewell hug. Granted, these boys are maybe 12 to 14 in age, not in an adult romantic relationship, but it's hard not to pick up on these kinds of cues. Director Enrico Casarosa has said what's between Luca and Alberto is purely platonic, but is open to others' reading of their relationship. It's an interesting instance of a director's intent not quite aligning with how it's received, almost universally. The reception has been that there's something more than friendship to Luca and Alberto. And this shared impression, paired with the physical contact they exhibit within the text of the film itself, almost overpowers what Casarosa says their relationship is meant to be. And beyond Luca and Alberto's relationship, whatever it may actually be, so much of the film is about being different and finding acceptance. Luca, as a sea monster who finds he wants to be human, finds community in Alberto, a sea monster slash human who shows him the ropes of how to live a human lifestyle. Their shared experience and struggle carries out into their life in Potoroso, as the only two people like them that they know of, and carrying the burden of the secret that they're scared to admit. Their friend Julia is also an outsider in a different way. She spends the school year in Genova, one of the largest cities in Italy, and feels out of place the summer spent in Little Portoroso, where she's bullied by Ercole. The three find friendship in one another by all being underdogs. At the end of the film, when Luca and Alberto are both out as sea monsters living in a human world, Luca's mother, Daniela, wonders aloud whether he can stay living here. His grandmother answers that some people, they'll never accept him, but some will, and he seems to know how to find the good ones. The film doesn't sugarcoat that the world will not be welcoming to all, but that there are still people and places where one can find community, acceptance, and a home. In addition to the coming out narrative of accepting one's own identity, what's internally natural within oneself, is the broader theme of the external natural world and giving into and accepting that. When Alberto is teaching Luca, best as he can, how to be human, one of the perks of the human world he lists off is gravity, basically falling. He demonstrates this by jumping off his tower, shouting, take me gravity, and falling down into the shrubs below. At first, this seems to be played off for laughs, an example of how goofy and wild Alberto is compared to the more mild-mannered and timid Luca. As cautious and risk-averse as Luca behaves, Alberto is the exact opposite, looking straight into the sun, going up to the water surface, literally jumping off buildings. He is the boost of confidence and maybe recklessness to get Luca out of his comfort zone. Between the two, Alberto is also the first to come out as a sea monster, in a moment of contention where he and Luca argue about whether they can even coexist with the human world. Alberto heads into the water to transform before Julia's eyes. If Luca wanted to continue the fantasy of passing and hiding himself for the foreseeable future, 
Alberto is more realistic in his awareness that this can't go on forever. Sooner or later, his natural self will emerge. When the film ends, and Luca's train to Genova leaves the station, Alberto runs alongside it as long as he can. He jumps off the station platform, raising his arms, just like in his Take Me Gravity moment, as the rain showers him and he transforms into a sea monster. In this mini-visual cue, throwing back to one of our first moments with Alberto, the creed he says of Take Me Gravity, of giving into nature, now perfectly matches with the true, natural Alberto we see before us. Acceptance of the natural is also shown more quietly with Massimo, Giulia's father. He is missing his right arm. He's introduced early on as a fisherman and a hunter of sea monsters, so the natural assumption of his backstory is that it was eaten by some creature from the deep. He catches Alberto staring at it one day, and he even jokes that a sea monster ate it, then corrects himself laughing, and says that this is how he came into the world. And that's all there is to it. There's not a tragic backstory, and it's not that he's any less capable as a fisherman or a father. How nature made him is how he is, and he's no lesser because of it. In parallel with the journeys of discovery and coming out is the formation of Luca's dreams and fantasies, directly influenced by the people and places he's surrounded by. Throughout the film, we get these mini fantasy sequences where Luca is pulled out of reality and plunged into his head, envisioning dreamlike and fantastical experiences. After meeting Alberto and learning about Vespas, he sees himself solo riding a Vespa flying over the sea, passing by other islands, but not quite reaching the mainland, which makes sense as he hasn't gone there yet and wouldn't even begin to know how to imagine it. In the next fantasy, after he and Alberto have grown even closer, he pictures the two of them riding together, not him by himself, riding a Vespa through the hills with wild Vespas leaping around them. Later on, as Luca befriends Julia and is heard about school, he fantasizes about the world of discovery and astronomy she's told him about and taught him through books. He sees himself running along the rings of Saturn, with Julia, impossibly, flying through space on an ornithopter, the flying machine designed by Leonardo da Vinci. She invites him to join her, and they soar down to Earth over ancient Rome. The shot transitions from this fantastical scene to Julia's bedroom, with the pair poring over books laid out on the floor. As Luca's exposure to and awareness of different worlds and possibilities grows, as do his fantasies and aspirations, Luca's dreams have a through-line directly following his experiences in reality. While the film is very much Luca's story, Alberto Scorfano himself is a fascinating character, and arguably more complex. The more showy, brash, and confident of the two, Alberto is also a pathological liar. He constantly embellishes stories, his background, and even contradicts and corrects himself within the same breath. In particular, when he and Luca develop their relationship, he uses lies to build up an image of confidence and charisma in the face of life's challenges, questions, and unknowns. He shows Luca the world above seawater, including the sun. Luca starts to look up at it, and Alberto stops him. Don't look at it. Just kidding. Definitely look at it. He squints his eyes and gazes up at the sun confidently. One night, when they lay atop his tower gazing at the sky, Luca asks what the blinking lights up there are. Alberto quickly replies that they're glowing fish, and that he touched the moon once. It felt like a fish. By jumping to provide answers, whether Alberto truly believes them or if he knows he's lying, He's creating an image of expertise, confidence, and a sort of power over Luca. 
He's the wiser authority figure over the new fish out of water. Like his take-me-gravity bravado, Alberto's consistent line is certainly funny. It adds to Alberto as a goofy, albeit unreliable, character. But as the story continues, and Luca's understanding of the world grows more concrete from his experiences in Porto Rosso and learning from Julia, the outlandish lies Alberto insists upon become all the more foolish and destructive. Perhaps this quality, charming and frustrating all at once, is intended to be foreshadowing. Pathological lying can often be tied to a past trauma. And in a moment of quiet sadness, Alberto admits to Luca that his father had abandoned him. He's been living on the island alone for a long time, and he's turned his back on the world as a result. In the film's moving finale, though, Alberto thanks Luca for what he's done for him. You got me off the island. For students of Italian language, the naming of characters and places also carries some fun added weight and foreshadowing to the story. Luca's last name is Paguro, which means hermit crab, perfect for a character who's timid, hides under a metaphorical shell, but he also grows like a hermit crab to bigger and bigger spaces, from his home in the sea, to the Isola del Mare, to the town of Porto Rosso, and then to the bigger city of Genova. Alberto's last name is Scorfano, which means rockfish or scorpionfish, and can also mean an ugly person. This name also works twofold. On the one hand, Alberto is like the rock or foundation for Luca to set off his journey, but as the movie progresses and Alberto's jealousy comes out, he reveals that he also has an ugly side. Giulia and Massimo's last name is Marcovaldo. Marcovaldo is a book of short stories by Italo Calvino about a lower-class rural man living in an industrial city. The circumstances are almost the opposite of Giulia's. She's an educated girl living in a small fishing town, but both are stories of outsiders. An added layer is that the main piazza in Porto Rosso is called Piazza Calvino, the same surname as the author of Marcovaldo. In addition to the meaning of names, there's also some fun nuggets for fans of Italian films. In the Piazza Calvino, we see posters for films like La Strada, Roman Holiday, and in a later sequence, we see a woman who's fallen asleep watching Big Deal on Madonna Street on TV. Of the films featured, this one is the newest, which places us time-wise sometime after 1958, depending how long it would typically take for a film like Big Deal on Madonna Street to end up on television after its theatrical release. In addition to the movie poster, there's a few more thematic connections to La Strada. Federico Fellini's 1954 film stars Giulietta Massina playing a character named Gelsomina, and in Luca, a fishing boat we see several times is called the Gelsomina, and Giulia's father Massimo calls her Giulietta affectionately. La Strada, like Luca, is also a film about outsiders. Gelsomina is a simple-minded young woman who is purchased by a performing strongman Zampano, whose act she joins and where she plays a clown. She is taken from her home and travels on the road, making connections and finding community where she can, but she's later abandoned by Zampano. Like Gelsomina, Julia is a bit of an oddball, who becomes embarrassed that she's too much and keeps getting disappointed. Fortunately, Julia's story has a happier ending than Gelsomina's, but these earlier cues to La Strada paint a subliminal picture of the circumstances Julia is facing. And while not an explicit reference, the first act of Luca is reminiscent of Dino Risi's film Il Sorpasso, in which the flashy, overconfident Bruno stumbles upon the more meek Roberto, and together they embark on a series of misadventures one summer in Italy.
Bruno, like Alberto, is also almost dangerously reckless, and Roberto, like Luca, is just trying to keep up the pace. A couple other Italian cultural tidbits that pop up include the card game Scopa. The playing cards are among the objects Alberto swipes from the fishing boat during the prologue, and Luca stumbles upon one of Alberto's lost cards in his early discoveries of human objects. We also see older gentlemen playing a hand of cards at the Piazza Calvino in Portoroso. A recurring Italian language phrase throughout the film is a sort of punny play on words. When Alberto introduces himself to Luca, he says, Piacere Girolamo Trompetta. The hand gestures he makes are first to shake Luca's hand, then twist his own hand back, then gesture playing a trumpet. The joke here is that Girolamo sounds like Giro la mano, I twist my hand. So it translates like, pleased to meet you, I twist my hand, the trumpet. It doesn't really mean anything, and it's just a goofy play on words. The musical selections featured in this film, like any well-curated soundtrack, reflect the action and emotions taking place on screen. Many of the songs in Luca are love songs, adding fuel to the thesis that Luca and Alberto's relationship is indeed a romantic one. The film opens with the Quartetto Cetra song, Un Bacio a Mezzanotte, which literally means a kiss at midnight. In English, the lyrics say, don't trust a kiss at midnight. If there is a moon, do not trust it. It makes you fall in love. Again, whether deliberate or not, it's a song about falling in love, driven by the forces of nature. Things are stacking up to make Luca and Alberto's a story of love. In a high-energy montage of Luca and Alberto hanging out and building their Vespa, plays Eduardo Benato's Il Gato e la Volpe, or The Cat and the Fox. The lyrics say, He is the cat and I am the fox. We are in society. You can trust us. On the one hand, it's a song about two companions and colleagues, representative of the new connection Alberto and Luca have made and their shared enthusiasm for Vespa building. But if you recall your fairy tales, the Cat and the Fox are a duo in Pinocchio. They're two villains, they're con men who trick Pinocchio and take advantage of him. While Luca and Alberto are nowhere near as sinister, they are somewhat tricksters, as Luca knows that he's doing something behind his parents' back that they wouldn't approve of. Perhaps the selection of this song underscores the potential for conflict up ahead. There's something prickly even in this idyllic meeting. In a brief fantasy sequence, after Julia explains that they could use the prize money from the Portoroso Cup to buy a Vespa, Luca sees himself and Alberto being showered with gold coins, and they ride a new Vespa together over piles of money. The song is called Fati Mandare della Mama a Prendere il Latte by Gianni Morandi. The lyrics of this song say, Let your mom send you to buy milk. I have to tell you something which has to do with the two of us. I saw you leave school with some other guy, your hand in his hand, you were walking next to him. It's another high energy song, but the lyrics speak of jealousy and being honest with your loved one about your feelings. Again, it's another love song underscoring what Luca and Alberto have. As the group trains for the Portoroso Cup, a song plays with some interesting ties to Cinema Italiano. We hear Rita Pavone's Viva la Papa col Pomodoro a song cheering for a bread and tomato soup. 
The lyrics say that the history of the past has taught us that hungry people make a revolution. This was the theme song to a children's TV miniseries from the 1960s called Il Giornalino di Gian Burrasca, based on a novel of the same name. The literal lyrics of this could be a funny callback to an earlier joke. Julia says that she can tell Luca and Alberto have the hunger to win the race, and Alberto replies that he's always hungry. But going deeper, of course, we do have a mini-revolution of sorts, with these three outsiders, Luca, Alberto, and Julia, training to win and create a better future for themselves, on a Vespa exploring the world for Luca and Alberto, or defeating the town bully for Julia. What's interesting too, in terms of other Italian films, is that this song was composed by none other than Nino Rota, composer of countless films, including many of Fellini's great works, as well as Francis Ford Coppola's Godfather trilogy, and the song has lyrics by film director Lena Wertmuller, who also directed the television series that the song goes with. In the film's credits, we hear the Mina song, Chita Vuota, which means empty city. The lyrics say, I always think of you, only of you, and I know the city will seem empty to me if you don't come back. Our love did not end. Even though Luca and Alberto say goodbye at the train station, the hand-drawn images during the credits show their relationship continuing through letters, as each builds their new lives in Genova for Luca and in Portoroso for Alberto. Their love, whether a romantic or a platonic one, certainly does not seem to end. This was director Enrico Casarosa's first feature film. He has been at Pixar nearly 20 years and made his directorial debut with the short La Luna about a young boy, his father, and his grandfather who go fishing for stars, which earned an Academy Award nomination for Best Animated Short. It is pretty obvious to compare this one to Call Me By Your Name, but another film it reminded me of is Alfonso Cuaron's Y Tu Mamá También. Cuaron's film is a summer road trip movie following two young men about high school, college age, who are incredibly close, and how that friendship grows and strains after meeting a slightly older woman. Like Luca, it's a coming-of-age story that also has the sad weight of knowing that, just like the seasons, things have to come to an end. We get a glimpse into a mini-paradise dream world that simply can't last forever. Luca is an incredible film. Like I mentioned, I watched it numerous times in a short period, and every time I finish it, I want to go back and experience it all over again. It's also a lot of fun to watch in Italian with English subtitles. Similar to watching Pixar's Coco in Spanish, there's an added layer of authenticity by experiencing the story in the same language as the movie is set in. Thank you as always for listening. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe to the show, rate and review, and also follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And until next time, ciao amici.